0: My name is Craig and one of the pastors here at Hope, Jersey City. So glad, thank you for joining us this morning. So excited to have you all. We are continuing our series in the book of James. We've called it Faith in Action. As you saw in that video, practicing our faith is part of, it it should be something that is part of our everyday lives. We spend most of our time at work. We spend our time with our families, with our roommates. What does that mean? What does that look like? to be faithful Christians in the midst of our everyday lives. Today I'm reading from James 2, um, verse 1 to 8. I almost forgot. (laughs) James 2, verse 1 to 8. If you have your Bibles, you can read with me on the line some important parts. Um, But if you don't have your Bibles, the scripture will also be here on the screen as well. Let's read together. James 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, But say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? but you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. That's the reading of the word. It's so interesting to me, James, is I I don't even have to preach. (laughs) That just preached for every one of us. Like I can stop right now and that's it. (laughs) But he goes straight to the point. Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show Favoritism, straight to the point. But it's interesting because we all have things, we all have our favorite things. they're, They're a list of things that we love to do. Places we love to go, to eat, to hike. Cities we love to visit, favorite cities we love, we all have favorite things we do. One of my favorite things to do is to go to the gym. And I make time to go to the gym because I know, one, I need it for my health, I need it for my mental health, I need it for me to, you know, to feel good and feel better about myself, or whatever, you know, I don't know. Not to look good, but to feel, feel that's how it sounded, but I'm correct in that. <laughs> um, we even have our favorite people that we love to be with, people that give us life, people that maybe have this positive energy. I love being around people who, have, who are excited, who love things to do. Um, my wife makes fun of me because she's an introverted person. She's introverted, she's you know quiet, sometimes shy, but she notices that I love being around people who energize me. Every time I come back home from a meeting, I'm just like, oh my God, that was amazing, I'm excited. Or if, I, if we host a group of people in our house and they all leave, I'm just through the roof, I'm so excited, what's next, what are we gonna do? Come on, let's, let's we should do more. And she's tired. <laughs> she's just like, leave me alone, don't bother me. And even though she's introverted and I'm extroverted, We both have our favorite people that we love to hang out with. We all do. We have people we easily gravitate to. When we come to church this morning, some of you had friends you easily just went to because you knew them, you recognized them, you want to say hi. We all do this. People we can easily relax, kick back, maybe have a drink with, maybe chill with, some people smoke cigar with, just hang out and chill. We all have our our, our, our favorite people. And that's good, that's good. I think we need that. We need friendships, deep friendships. But I think sometimes when we, How'd I say? Things start to go awry when all of our attention, when all of our focus, especially when you come to meetings like this, is to go to the people you know, to go to the people that you are comfortable with. When all of our focus and our attention is going towards that, what happens? Some people get left out. Some people are ostracized, some people are neglected, some people are forgotten. And we all mean well, we don't do this consciously for the most part, I think. Maybe, not everyone, but for the most part. (laughs) We do it unconsciously. But when we do that, we inevitably leave out some people. As much as we would love I would want to be impartial with our fellow brothers and sisters, we often skew towards partiality. We gravitate towards what's comfortable, especially in a culture that sees time as a special, precious resource often who we interact with becomes uh, is determined by its benefit. I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have that much time. So who I interact with must be beneficial to me. So I think, but yet in the midst of such worldly attitudes, in the midst of such worldly thinking, our faith calls us to look beyond our comforts, to look beyond what would benefit us. So the question now for us is how can our faith inform how we interact with others, how we treat others in our world, in our neighborhood, in our church? And I think James provides us that um, um, tells us what we're supposed to do. Meaning that we are called to live a life of generosity that is undergirded by love. Love, right? The greatest commandment that God has given us. Love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, another for us to live this life of generosity, to live this life um, that is outward facing, love must undergird our hearts and our lives. And so for, for us to kind of dive into that, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to share three points here. First point, look at that problem, the problem of partiality. Two, look at the particular emphasis that God has for the poor. I think that also enables us to see and look outward. And then lastly, um, look at that posture of love. So first, the problem. James here lays out to us that we all have a problem with um, partiality. We all struggle with this favoritism. And what, like I said, it inevitably happens is that, that it, it, it happens at the tragic expense of others, people who are left out, people who are neglected. James lays out this story, this kind of example. Suppose a man comes in into your meeting wearing gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man with filthy old clothes, right? You show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, and you say, here's the good seat. To the poor man, you said, no, stand there, sit in the back, seat, seat by my feet. Right? He clearly lays out what happens. And the thing about what this story he, he's giving right here, it's, it's culturally normal for that to happen. It's okay because everyone in the surrounding culture did that. The person of honor is given the VIP seat. It always, that's the way it is. So of course, they did that as well, but James calls them out. And this was actually an ongoing issue in the early church. In Acts, we see the widows who were neglected. The, the, the Greek, uh, the Gentile widows were neglected. In Corinthian, the Corinthian church, we see the meals where the, the rich people of the community would eat the, the dinner or the supper first and then leave the leftovers for those who were less fortunate. It's an ongoing problem at that church, at the early church. Vulnerable, vulnerable people were left behind because that was part of the surrounding culture. It was normalized in the culture, and of course, it seeped into the church. Now the question is how do we do that? To be honest, um, that might not happen as, it it may not be as, it may not look the same way, but actually sometimes it does. Imagine if Justin Bieber were to walk in here. (laughs) Guess what happens? everyone looks, whoa, he's here, we, we got a seat, seat, where is he going to seat? <laughs> we give him the VIP seats, and it actually happens, <laughs> I know churches that do that. Imagine someone who's wealthy walks in, wow, we all get awed by them. And what happens? when we pay special attention to those people, some people get left behind. Now, that doesn't happen most of the time. But you know what happens most of the time? What I shared before. We gravitate towards people we're comfortable with. People, maybe people in the same same socioeconomic class as you, maybe people who have your type of jobs? We easily gravitate towards them, and that we just is just what we do. And when we do that, some people here, even here in this community, are left out. Some people are forgotten, neglected. Maybe you're looking for a job. <laughs> That's one of the ways, you know, networking. You have to network. Face valley, that's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that. You've gotta do what you gotta do. But oftentimes when ha- that happens, we forget because we are focused on fulfilling something for us. And so that leads me to the deeper problem think the deeper problem here is our propensity to seek um, things just for ourselves. That our comfort, the things that we want to, to convenience our lives, we do it just for ourselves. That we care just about being comfortable. One writer says this, that we invent ways of covering, up, covering this up, but the assertion of self over others is always there. Self over others. That is the big problem, my brothers and my sisters, is that we are seeking things that would benefit us. Um, Friendships that would benefit us. Networks that would benefit us. Again, time is so precious, I don't have enough time in this world, so I choose things that would benefit me. You know, even as a pastor, I find that to be one of the most challenging things about being a pastor. And I'll be completely honest here. When you think about starting a church, right, you need people. When you think about being sustainable as a church, you need money, right? And sometimes, I, you can, it's just, just like that, it clicks in my mind. Oh wow, that's a new person. Brilliant, He's, he looks, she looks like a smart person. We really need them. I need a hope group leader. I need a small group leader. So therefore I'm gonna put all my attention on that person. And what about everyone else? Now of course, same thing. I have limited time, limited energy. But when all of my focus and my time is spent with people that would benefit what I am doing, something is wrong. And all of my time is spent trying to be to build my empire, to build up my comforts, to make life easier. Something is wrong. So even when I think about inviting people, <laughs> I have to think, who? This sounds weird. Who are the people that I love and I'm comfortable with, and who are the people that I may not be comfortable with? Maybe a conversation is hard to have with this person or that person. Not any of, any of you here, by the way. That's, that's. But we all have that. But I have to think beyond what's comfortable for me. My friends, we all have to think beyond what's comfortable for us. And this leads me to my next point. And that's God's particular emphasis on the poor. Because, and we see throughout scripture, God's desire, God's burning heart for people um, who may be socioeconomically um, uh, 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 suffering or um, uh, not the middle class, but the poor. God has a heart that rages for them, that, that is concerned for them. And I think God wants, even for us as a church, for everyone here, God wants us to have a heart for people who may be less fortunate than you. The, the, the problem here though is the stability of our lives, the relative stability of our lives, especially in the Jersey City bubble or wherever you may be living, can remove us from the instability of others. And we don't see. It's, it's funny, I was thinking about this. I think we, we have this kind of sentimental attitude, you know, going to a pantry, like, oh yeah, I'm helping the poor, I'm I'm helping those who are less fortunate, or you know, you go to a pantry, or you go to a food soup kitchen, blah, 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 and we go home, (laughs) right? We, our lives are still separate. Despite what we do, despite how much we give, our lives are still separate. But you know what's interesting? If our lives, were in close proximity, to those who may be less fortunate, you know what happens usually? We actually start not to care. Because we see that everyone, we are all human beings. We all have our failings. We all have things that that we may not like about each other. You may not like the attitude of someone, someone who's homeless and walking down the street, and you're like, ugh, that that person is, ugh, you know. But God, it's, it's beyond that. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. What we see throughout scripture is this clarion, clarion ask, this, this clarion call for us to care for them. Despite what we see, despite what we might not like. God takes up their case, God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power. And so should we. And so James makes this point so clear. Like this is the, 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 the crux of what he's talking about here. Because he says, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world? God has chosen them. God has chosen them. He has chosen them to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom that He has pro- promised. So, as a church, as people, as brothers and sisters of, 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 um, as brothers and sisters in this church we are called as well to be fathers to the fatherless, to be, to be defenders, of widows, defenders of widows. And this is one of the things, again, that's so clear, especially when we see in scripture, even with Christ himself, that even as he came, he physically identified with the powerless. Physically. that through Jesus, God himself personally and tangibly identified with those who are less fortunate. And he did that by what? Disadvantaging himself. God becoming human. God taking up flesh. And this is that posture of love that we see. Jesus was, as you know in the story, and as we go through Advent, we'll we'll hear more about this. Jesus was born in in a feeding trough. At his circumcision, Jesus' family offered what was required of the poor because his family did not have enough to sacrifice what everyone else or the rich would offer In Matthew 8, he said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has has no place to lay his head. And at the end of his life, he rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He died on a cross. He had to be given a tomb. and they cast lots, the, 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 the soldiers cast lots for his only possession, his robe. And there on the cross, he gave everything, including his life. Jesus himself exemplifies the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. And because he does that, because he does that for us, we can do that for our neighbors. You know, I was thinking about this, and this is one of the reasons James is so hard, because he's just telling us, do this, do that. Love your neighbors, (laughs) love your God. But at the end of the day, we still can't do it. I still, Today, even after preparing this sermon, after speaking, I will still tomorrow show partiality. I will still show favoritism. You will still do the same thing. Even though I may yell and scream and convince and persuade you, even the best orator will not convince you. <laughs> we will still mess up. That's why one of the most compelling things about the gospel it's not the law but it's his grace. It's his mercy. It's the fact that mercy will triumph over judgment. The fact that I will make a mistake tomorrow and yet God will still forgive me for my mistake. The fact that We will neglect people who are less fortunate and go about our very lives and be stable and be okay, yet God will still have mercy upon us. And I think that is the very reason, the very thing that motivates us to follow him. That in itself will motivate motivate us to follow him. I was talking to the preaching team this past um, week. We have like a weekly meeting, and um, I remember we were talking about, you know, I I think we talked about, the there's a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hills, and it's talking about um, a famous pastor who was known for yelling, screaming, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things we were talking about is that, you know? The yelling and the screaming works. The yelling, screaming pastor that tells people, you must do this. For some reason, we love that. We love it. And I'm like flabbergasted by that. That, Why are we so like attuned to lawgivers? People that do this, do this. The commandment tells you, you must do this. I don't, we, we just are attuned to that and I remember Tim Keller mentioning that the 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 kind of our def- default mindset is the law that's just defa- default and yes we need the law to, to tell us what is right but it is the mercy and the grace of God that motivates us to do what is right. So, my friends, despite our twisted motivations, despite our feeble actions, despite our favoritism, God's mercy is always available to us. And God's mercy motivates us and propels us to love our neighbors as ourselves to look around the room, to see the need even in this room. Who in this room needs to be welcomed in? Who in this room needs or or seems like is neglected? God's mercy motivates us to do so. So even as the worship team comes up, my prayer is that we don't leave this room with things to do, but we leave this room with God's mercy before us. We leave this room receiving His grace and His love. And that is what would help us love our neighbors. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, I know this is true for me. I know this is true for me. I know this is true for a lot of us, that often with all that we have going on with, with with our work, with our jobs, with our lives, That we can often um, neglect others who um, maybe need to be walked them in. Even in this room, that often we um, neglect others, even in our neighborhoods, that um, may need just a, a high or a smile. We may be heading to work, and we we have to get to work. We've, we're so busy, and we just need to just get there, and we neglect people around us that, that needs that welcome. So I pray today that you help us, you open our hearts, first of all, to receive your mercy and your grace, to receive your compassion, And I pray that that would be the outflow through which we can be compassionate to others. Deliver us, God, from this evil um, way of life, this evil behavior, this evil attitude. And help us, God, to truly love our neighbors, to truly love. In a world that is self seeking, help us to be outward facing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we worship in response.